Hello and welcome to This is Oro Valley, a podcast where we explore the people and the programs that make Oro Valley the vibrant community it is. I'm Town Manager Mary Jacobs, and today we're speaking with Judge James Hazel about our town court. Judge, welcome. Thank you. Really glad to have you here. It's been such a privilege to be working with you over this past year, and I'm very excited that our community is going to learn a little bit more about the mystique of the town court and what that is and how you do things and, and also what it's not. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. Why don't you start first with a little background about you? What, you know, what, what is your background and how did you end up deciding to be a judge out of all the things that you could have done as an attorney? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I've been a judge full-time for 21 years now. I started as a lawyer back, I graduated from law school in 1986 from the University of Toledo and immediately moved to Arizona because at the time I was a very good golfer and I thought I could spend a lot of time golfing (laughs) and enjoying that. Uh, But my wife decided to have five kids, so that kind of derailed that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I worked as a lawyer, uh, as a prosecutor, as a county attorney, as a defense attorney for a number of years. And a lot of times I went in front of judges and I saw how uh, they didn't always treat people with respect. There was a judgment on a personal level, not on a legal level. And there's Mm -hmm. a difference Mm -hmm. in how people were treated or where even the lawyers were treated. And I I always said to myself, if if I got to be a judge, which I wanted to do to uh, help the justice system, that I would treat people with respect, how I would want to be treated. Because I believe that the judge sets the tone for the courtroom. If you want respect back from someone, you have to give that to first. You have to earn that respect. And I've always tried to do that. Uh, I have kind of an informal style. The police chief says I should have my own uh, reality show with our broadcast because our, <laughs> our, all our court proceedings are actually broadcast on the Internet. person can listen to any court hearing by simply going to the town website. And listening to those, but uh, I had court this morning. I, I, I welcome people when they're there. I always ask them, uh, "Good morning. How are they doing?" Thanking them for being here, uh, and uh, talk about why they're there, and try to make it a pleasant experience. You know, I, I think that's what's really unique and special about how you have come in and and changed our court operations, starting with first that, for lack of a better word, customer service level, right? So clearly customer service is important to you. And I think that based on what I have seen, you've really instilled that into your staff as well. Yes. So when we started in, when I started in the justice system in the 80s, uh, people who came to court, whether they were there for a speeding ticket, uh, no registration or a DUI or something more serious, they were all called defendants. They weren't called people, Hmm. and they certainly weren't called customers. Hmm. And any of us in government service knows everyone we deal with, uh, whether it's internally in the city, whether it be the police or the prosecutor, they're customers of ours. They're, they're, They're part of what we deal with. But more importantly, our residents of our town. And uh, however they appear or come before us are customers. We're, we have been empowered to provide a service. And if we don't take that empowerment seriously and want to do a good job with it, I tell people, if you don't want to be here and serve, 
then you should do something else mm. because that's what we're, that's what we've had the privilege to do. We, we get to serve people. And, uh, and I believe anybody that comes into our court is a customer and they need to be treated that way. And I expect the same of them coming the other direction. So when people come in, uh, I expect them to show that respect. And, and I've had that discussion, unfortunately, with a lot of people who have come in and swore at the staff, uh, did those type of things. And I, and then I have a personal conversation with them where I'll say, hi, how are you? I'm Judge Hazel. I hope you're having a good day. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it because of the tone that you're using or the language that you're using. Um, but I'll tell you that if I go somewhere, uh, whether it's to a store or something, it, I don't use aggressive language or nasty language in order to get a service. And so I'd really appreciate if you, when you come here that you not do that. And some people react positively. Some people say, I use that language with everyone I deal with in, in my life. And I say, well, I'm just going to ask you to make exception here today. And when you're here with me, and especially my staff and the other members of the public, that you don't do that. Because when you act that way, uh, first, first you uh, test your own credibility before the court, but also you frighten the other people that are here. You, you create stress for them. People don't want to be in a conflict situation, even if they're not directly involved. And, and in fact, I've always used that when somebody's got up and yelled at me or called me a name in court or something. And uh, I've said, okay, you're fine. Because I don't react to it. I don't get mm -hmm. upset. I, I'm not going to allow another person to, to uh, change my mindset and what I'm supposed to be doing. I'll tell the rest of everybody else. This gentleman here just decided to use some terrible language or even fight with the police or whatever. But I want all of you to know that that has nothing to do with what we're going to do the rest of the day, and it's not going to affect me in any way. So, uh, And it is. You know, I mean, if you're going to court, it's already a stressful it experience, is. Yes. right? And, and, and I, I used to, when my kids were little, I, recently I had a, uh, an elderly person come in, and, and she held up her piece of paper with her little ticket, and it was a registration ticket, and she, she was com just completely shaking. And she said, oh, I'm so scared. I'm so frightened. I said, why are you frightened? Mm -hmm. you, 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 oh, I just, my husband passed away and I made a mistake. I said, we're here to help you. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about this and work through it. You know, when my kids were younger, I'd always tell people, I won't yell at you at court because I got five kids at home I could yell at <laughs> if I needed to. Uh, but you know, yelling never solved anything. It, it, raising your voice or uh, being cruel to someone or making fun of them or uh, making the event more stressful does not help the process. And so uh, I learned that from the very beginning. Let's walk through, okay, because this is municipal court. This is town court. This is not the justice court system. This is not superior court. So there are only certain things that come to town court. Let's start with those. In general, what are those infractions that would um, result in someone being referred to town court? Okay. The reason, the way we get charges in our court is there are misdemeanors that occur within our town limits. Misdemeanor is the lesser form of crime in the state of Arizona. They come in uh, two different ways. Police officers will issue a citation. Let's say somebody uh, is shoplifting from a local store. They're detained, they're issued a citation. Another way citations come through is charges are referred uh, to the prosecutor's office. The prosecutor refuse, refuse, 
reviews the evidence provided by the police. Maybe it's a neighbor complaint, barking dogs, uh, those type of things, DUI. They review it. They decide to file charges. They file those, and then we issue summonses to have folks come to court. And then, of course, we have our civil offenses, the speeding tickets, all the moving violations that come in. And in Arizona, they're civil offenses. And then lastly, we have all our protective orders. Protective order is where someone seeks an order from the court to keep another person away from them, whether it be a family member or someone else. In Arizona, you can go to any court within the state to get the protective order. So we do a lot of cases from people from Tucson or Marana that don't want to drive to those particular courts because we make ourselves available telephonically to do that so that they don't have to drive into court. And uh, we also have, if people miss, we also allow them to appear telephonically. So those are the type of cases. Uh, the type of cases that we typically hear in our court would be um, DUI cases, shoplifting, driving on a suspended license, and then uh, speeding and other types of tickets. So you hear these cases. Some of them are handled strictly by your staff, right? They're, no. They all come before you. Okay, so that's one of the things that I changed. A person could mail in a payment if they wanted to, mm -hmm. if they weren't a criminal charge. I strongly believe that people should talk to a judge before making a decision on how to handle their case. Uh, and in the past, we didn't always do that. They could end up paying thousands of dollars in fines that maybe a judge could talk to them and say, hey, how about you go get insurance? We could reduce this. Or uh, something that they don't understand the law. Many people who get... Uh, tickets never take the time to look up what they actually are accused of doing, whether it be speeding, school zone, shoplifting, violating a court order. So one of the main roles of a judge is to educate the public about why they're there. Perfect example, somebody got a school zone speeding ticket recently and they came in and they said they wanted to have a hearing. I said, that's fine. And I did ask them. They said, I have a question. My question is that the school got out a few minutes before I drove through the, the posted signs. And then I explained the law, as long as the signs are legally posted, they're still in effect. That person then thought about it and said, okay, I'll just go to driving school to have it dismissed. Unfortunately, if they would have had a hearing, they could have gotten those points on their record, they could have got a fine, could have had an adverse impact. So it's really important that when people come in, the judge doesn't like try to persuade them because mm -hmm. anybody can mm -hmm. do whatever they want. That, right. That's what the justice system's about. But it is our role to educate people about what the law is, what it requires them to do, and what their options is so they can make the best choice. So if I, not that I would, but hypothetically, judge, if I were to have uh, gotten a ticket for speeding on Tangerine Road. Lots of them over there, yes. <laughs> and I got pulled over and I realized, in fact, oh, I really was speeding. You know, I knew in my heart of hearts, right, that I was speeding and that I earned that ticket. Very people, very few people look at it that way, but yes. <laughs> I, I, I do try to take responsibility when I screw up. Um, do I, would I, so it would get referred, I would get a ticket. 
Do I still have the option of just saying I'm I'm going to pay it? I'm going to go you to could. driver's school. You could. You, know, you could whatever. go to driving school before. Yeah. In our okay. town, though, people like to come and see me. Okay. It's gotcha. amazing how many don't do that before. Okay. All right. And so, Got it. And and that's but why it is still an option. It is an option. Okay. We don't make you do that. Right. But it it's surprising the number of the people that just come in and we talk about it and that's what mm -hmm. they want to do. A lot of times people want to say why they were doing it and. Uh, with speeding tickets and things like that, it's there. It's whether you did it or not. It's mm -hmm. not right. So I've had people tell me, "Oh, I was texting my daughter while I was driving. <laughs> I've uh, I didn't know the speed limit. It was my brother's car. Um, all those are are and, and and people will say, "Well, do you believe me, Judge?" I said, "Of course I do. I have no reason not to believe you." But what we have to do is follow a system of laws that we have, and they say. You're speeding and it's not reasonable, then you're responsible. So your choices are to go to the school, to pay it, or to have a contested hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, but at a contested hearing, the fact that you were texting someone while you were driving generally will not be a defense to, I didn't realize how fast. Won't help your case, so to speak. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've had people say, you know, they were hungry or whatever, you know, those, those type of things. And yes, they are things that may affect an individual, but other drivers don't know that. So they don't know to get out of the way. Right. right? right. So, yes. Is there a memorable case without naming names, of course, that perhaps prior to Oro Valley, how about that? A memorable case that you might want to... Well, I, I, when I was a lawyer, I did murder cases. I defended people on murder cases. And I've, I've done everything in the criminal justice system. Uh, last week, I had an opportunity again. I, I've done it for 18 years to teach new judges at uh, uh, a school that the Arizona Supreme Court puts on about how to adjudicate traffic tickets mm -hmm. and uh, gave the presentation. And and I always tell the group that uh, when I've had people get more upset with me over a speeding ticket than sentence them to prison. One time I sentenced a gentleman to prison for 10 and a half years and he actually thanked me. And said, Judge, you could have given me 13 or 14. So I really appreciate the 10 and a half. I remember one time I did a civil traffic hearing in Mesa on speeding, and I found the person responsible. She was a teacher, as a matter of fact. And she got mad and she threw the pen that she used to sign her court paperwork and hit me right in the eye because she was so mad about uh, her, her $200 fine. So it shows you people... It's what's important to them. I always mm -hmm. tell people, too, they think it's a value judgment against them if you got a speeding ticket. We we all have been in that situation. I don't judge you as a good or bad person. I tell everybody, you're all good people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I don't know you to not judge. That's not how I am. But we're just here to resolve the case. Do you find that your philosophy that you've been explaining, which to me is a, um, really a philosophy of humanity. We all make mistakes. If you come in and you've made a mistake or you're accused of making a mistake, you're going to be treated with dignity and respect. And um, do you find that that kind of philosophy is the rule or the exception as you talk to colleagues in similar roles across the state? Well, I can't state? speak for others. There's mm -hmm. all different types of judges. Mm -hmm. Some people want to exert authority or power to show they have the power. I think with knowledge and education, you know, 
if you convey that humanity and respect, you're going to get that back. And um, that is the better way to go uh, through intelligent, active listening communication. Some judges can be faulted for not being active listeners. And that's why I always tell people, I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm going to let you talk because that gives me a chance to evaluate them. We deal with all types of people. Some might be special or have a hearing loss or a vision loss or something. And so I need the time to evaluate that. Mm -hmm. So by listening to people, I can absorb that and then react accordingly. You've made some process changes and, and efficiency changes in the court. And of course, during COVID, we were all impacted with, um, you know, closures, mask wearing and all that kind of thing. And you've you've been able to continue some of those practice that really sort of got initiated in COVID related to having more um, technology related hearings and whatnot. So people don't actually have to come in the court. It's actually made things more efficient. Talk about those a little bit and well, what you have done. Well, thank you. I think one of the things that we've done, obviously, we made the court paperless, meaning we don't have mm -hmm. files so we can change information very quickly. But if we go back to the premise that court users are customers, what are the ways that we can serve them better? What are the ways that we can make justice accessible to them? So um, I've been proud to say in the courts that I've led since COVID, we have not lost a day to COVID. Now we have changed the way we do it. We spread out hearings. We uh, do telephonic hearings as needed. Um, a perfect example is our protective orders and our walk-ins. We have it scheduled every day at three o'clock. People are welcome to appear by phone so they don't have to come and expose themselves. Um, and have that same conversation with the judge, um, doing a video link to talk to folks that are in jail, all of those things that are uh, technology uh, friendly to make the system more accessible to people and try to move their case forward uh, without having to go out and, and do those things. And so I always welcome that. And uh, we should use technology. We should always find better ways and as the court uh, grows and expands and we look to make our building better, that's one thing we're going to look at. How can mm -hmm. we uh, have a complete virtual hearing with everybody all together with the proper cameras and, and do that so that it can be inclusive and at the same time keep people safe? Because those changes aren't just good for the customer. They're also good for the efficiency internal and your internal customers, right? The police department right. and the prosecutor can potentially benefit. The paperless has benefited our prosecution staff, our, our police staff. So those are all things that you're taking into consideration as kind of, I guess, for lack of a better word, a, a public safety and judicial ecosystem, so to speak. Yes. And, and the thing when you make justice accessible in different forms, you have a great, a great higher participation rate. Mm -hmm. So if a person uh, needs to talk to you by phone or video from Tucson and they don't have transportation, otherwise they wouldn't have had a hearing. Now they have. And so statistically across the court system, when we make court available in different forms, we increase participation. Why is that important? One, the case gets resolved. Two, we don't have more warrants or defaulted charges, and so the cost of the system is less. Because each time a hearing 
doesn't result in something positive happen. It results in cost to the taxpayers because we have to do it again. And so it's really important. That's why we look to find those technologies that will allow us to be f- efficient. And some folks might think, oh, Oro Valley Town Court, that's just for Oro Valley residents, but that's a misnomer. It's for violations that occur in the town of Oro Valley, which could be anyone who comes up into our community. They might work up here. They might, um, you know, be driving through whatever. And so, yeah, there are going to be people who live in central Tucson who, as you mentioned, don't have access to transportation and who really would want to be here, but they couldn't get here. And now you've accommodated them. And the vast majority, quite honestly, are not from Oro Valley. Mm-hmm. People will always ask me that at a public gathering, is Oro Valley safe? Yes, it is. And what type of tickets? Mm-hmm. I, I would guess probably 75% of our customers or people that we serve are not from Oro Valley. Well, you know, we do have we have a state route that goes through town. Yes, we do. We have... Um, Which encourages fast drive. Well, and that's exactly. And we I think have. We had a couple last week that were well over 100 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad to say neither of them was you. you no, know, neither <laughs> one was me. I don't do that. <laughs> you keep it under 99. I, I'm, I'm well under that. I can assure you. I can assure you. Uh, you know, I just wanted to wrap up with the. Your court does some other things that maybe might surprise our residents in terms of the services that would be available, like. The occasional wedding, right? We do occasional weddings. Uh-huh. We, uh, if a person needs to be married, uh, we look at those on a special circumstance. I do not charge fees, but for people that are in need, I, I do that. But we also issue the licenses. That's one of our big things that we do. We charge no fee to issue the licenses. Uh, before I got here, we charged $1.50 to process a license, but it cost more than $1.50 to receive $1.50. <laughs> so obviously... We are not going to do that. So people from all over the county are, uh, can come in and get a marriage license. We're glad to do that. Protective orders are from all over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do passports? We do not do passports oh, at this time. Okay. That would be a good idea. I am glad <laughs> that you're in support of that because actually that is a revenue generator. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk. We'll talk offline, Judge. Okay. How about I would that? love to do passports. <laughs> I would love. I push for that and. Apache Junction, and I mm-hmm. uh, couldn't quite convince them to do that. But yes, that's that's a that's a great service. Well, Judge, I um I just want to thank you for all that you've done in your short tenure, and for your vision, and for your philosophy on how you treat people who who come to you and who are required to come to you for circumstances that aren't always positive, and it, it it's clear. And I already know this because I've had the chance to work with you for the last year. But I hope that what folks got across from this podcast is it's okay if if something happens and you're going to go to the court, you're going to be treated with dignity and respect. And and we have a judge, Judge Hazel, who is interested in the you know just following the law. Yes. Um, that is your that's the foundation, and I know that about you. And so appreciate that about you. And I can say certainly about uh, um, our judicial branch in general in the state of Arizona. I think that, that you know, people who aren't, that's by far the exception. But that what, a, what a pleasure it's been talking to you today and, and letting folks get to know you. Any final parting 
words to our uh, to our listeners, Judge? We'll also give you a bottle of water if you come to court too, because oh, it's I'll extremely see. hot. There you go. Uh, we like to keep people comfortable, but no, uh, people should never be fearful about coming to court. Uh, we would never want that to be the case. It's a privilege to serve our community, and uh, I know my staff feels the same way. We all work together as a team. Uh, that's the one thing that I'm most proud of, that we build a team. And we work together uh, to, to serve, and uh, I'm very proud of that. And it's, it's, it's a privilege to be here. This is a wonderful community to work in. Great. Thanks again, Judge. And thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll stay tuned for additional This is Oro Valley podcasts in the future.